I would like to thank the worship team for thoroughly messing me up this morning. I mean, that's good. You know, God, some of us have got so much product in our hair, in our lives, that we come to God and say, I'm yours, God. And the first thing he does is, because that's the first thing he's got to do, you know, so, so that we're able to be moldable. Ah, oh, there it is, love. Uh, for those of you who are expecting Barbie Laughlin this morning, I'm not her. And uh, our sister isn't feeling very well today, so she contacted me a couple days ago and said, could I get you to, to, to teach for me this Sunday on love? <laughs> could you get me to teach on love? Uh, yeah, yeah, twist, twist my arm. I'll teach on love. I'll teach on love anytime. You know what? The Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. And, you know, and to be ready. And if there's a theme in our lives, it ought to be this. Really should. Um, okay, I understand that there's not going to be anything on the sides. So you're going to have to stand up and look straight ahead. And I'll turn around and let's read this scripture together, please, if you... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit because I know that he is here in this room. And I pray that you would anoint each one of us to hear what you want to say today because you've already confirmed to me in a bunch of ways that this is what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, some of you have probably picked up on the fact that we, uh, we're going to be teaching about the fruits of the Spirit over the next few weeks and that the title of the series is Set Free. And maybe you've pondered, what? What, what? what is the connection there? Well, I haven't talked to Pastor Kevin about it. I'm sure he has one. Uh, but as, I've, as I have thought about it and as I have pondered about it, um, there are some things that I've, that I've come up with. Uh, there, there's a connection that I've come up with that I, that I think is pretty important to understand. <clears throat> You see, the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. It's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is present there. I grew up in a, in a culture that uh, emphasized something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a lot of baptisms that are, that are mentioned in Scripture, and so it can get kind of confusing. Uh, Paul says that those who passed through the Red Sea were baptized into Moses, um, when um, the mother of James and John came to Jesus and said, I have a request. Uh, when, <clears throat> when you come into your kingdom, I'd like for one of my sons to sit on your right, one of my sons to sit on your left. And uh, Jesus said to them, are you able to undergo the baptism that I have to undergo? Well, he had already been baptized by John, and they had been baptized by John, so he was talking about something else. And probably he was talking about the suffering that he was going to have to endure. And they said, yes, we can. They said, well, okay. Uh, but 
you know, it's not really for me to grant who's going to sit on my right and on my left. And besides that, if I were to say yes to your mom, then we'd have to watch the two of you fight about who gets to be on the right and who gets to be on the left. So let's just, let's just move on and leave this in the Father's hands. Uh, when you uh, accept Christ as your Savior, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Uh, Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, um, when people get in the water over here and, and uh, participate in water baptism, that's, a, that's another baptism. Uh, and there are two reasons to do that. One, and, and we mention it fairly frequently, is that it's a public testimony. And in a lot of places of the world, they don't care what you say you are. They don't care what, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got the T-shirt or not, if you've got the bumper sticker. But once you get in that water and go under and come up, they go, oh, okay, this person is a follower of Christ. But there's a second reason. The second reason is Jesus is not just your Savior, but he's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, one of the things he has commanded is for us to be water baptized. And it's absurd to go, well, you're my Lord and you want me to do this, but I don't think I want to. He's not your Lord. Because you're just taking his commands as suggestions rather than commands, which they are. Well, anyway, what I grew up in uh, considered... Um, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's spoken of over in the book of Acts. And we also had the opinion that uh, you knew if someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit if they spoke in tongues. And uh, so I, I grew up in a, in a culture where that was, that was very important, and that was, that was something that we did. Now, when I came here, this was an Assembly of God church back in the day, and, and so I needed to become an Assembly of God pastor. And they asked me, they said, uh, do you have any uh, the doctrinal problems with us? And I said, well, you know, I can't actually teach that someone has not been filled with the Holy Spirit if they haven't spoken in tongues. Conversely, I didn't go on to say it, but conversely, I can't necessarily teach it just because they learn to say, you know, can you see me tie my bow tie real fast, that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, I, well, I just cut to the chase, they ordained me anyway. <laughs> and we're no longer an Assembly of God church, so go figure, I don't know. Uh, but the thing is, the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit in our lives is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, 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 tongues is a gift, and it's given at, uh, when the Holy Spirit wants to, to whom the Holy Spirit wants to, uh, when it's needed. But the fruit is something that says he's there all the time. He's working in my life. He's doing something in my life. And so what's all this got to do with being set free? <laughs> Well, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That, there's freedom. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, when he's present and he's doing stuff in your life, freedom 
comes from it. Freedom's not just another word for nothing left to lose. It's not just uh, some people talking as the, as, as the eagles would have you believe. But so, so many people are disillusioned about the notion of freedom because they think that it has something to do with rights. They, they think that it has something to do with, oh, I get to do this and I can do that and I... I can make any choice that I want. Well, the only problem with that is many of the choices that I've made in my life that I wanted didn't bring freedom. Anybody ever made a choice that ended up (laughs) bringing bondage? Okay, are the rest of you paying any attention to your life? (laughs) Well, I'm going to buy this thing. I mean, you know, I can afford $10 a month. And then I can afford $18 a month for that. And $36, sure, absolutely. And the next thing you know, you are choking, drowning in bondage. And that's just got to do with money. I mean, there are a lot of emotional choices that we make in our lives that have the same results. And we just don't understand what what freedom is. Uh, Kevin has mentioned a number of times that um, you're a citizen of the United States. I I assume most of us are because this is where we are. Uh, And there's a constitution, and the constitution gives you rights. We go, yeah, but we're also a citizen of a far more important entity, and that is the kingdom of God. Because the citizenship in the United States is very temporary. It only lasts as long, well, first of all, as long as the United States lasts, and it's lasted a couple of hundred years, but that's, that's, that's nothing, quite frankly, in the historical march of time, or it lasts until you die, or it lasts until you change your mind, or whatever, but your citizenship in heaven lasts for eternity, forever and ever and ever. It, it, it's something that will never change. And it has a constitution, and Kevin's pointed this out, Pastor Kevin's pointed this out several times, and that's the Bible. And the Bible asks you, I mean, it, it tells a bunch of rights that you have, but then it says, be willing to lay these down. Be willing to not pick the... Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he willingly gave it up. Became a servant. So we often just don't understand what freedom is. Jews didn't understand what sin was. And Jesus was talking to them and he said, be what bondage was. He says, you know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they said, well, we've never been slaves to anyone. And you know what? He didn't go, well, what about Egypt? Or what about when you were captivity in Babylon? Or what about right now with all the, with all the Romans ruling on? No, he just simply said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Cut right to the heart of the matter. And so when it comes to freedom, if the Holy Spirit is active in my life, I have freedom. If he's not, I don't. It's that simple. No matter what it feels like, that is what the truth is. You cannot separate freedom from the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus did say you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But he said, if you hold to my teaching, you become my disciple. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's a process that that happens there. And later on, he said in John 16, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you 
into all truth. See, knowing the truth is a process. But discipleship is, is, is a process, and it requires a guide. And we have a guide. We have a supernatural guide who is able to, to, to lead us in, into, this, into this lifestyle of learning and knowing the truth and being set free. Discipleship starts when we give our lives to the Lord. When I, when I gave my life to the Lord, there were things in my life that just that needed to be gone that were just poof, gone. How many of you ever have experienced that? I mean, you came, you came to the Lord, and there was just this sudden rush of, of freedom in your life. Do the rest of you, have you ever come to the Lord? You know, I mean, I'm not, I mean, yes, they are rhetorical questions. I'm not expecting you to answer, but it would help if some of you raised your hand, let me know you were, you know, listening or something. Uh, when I first came to the Lord, there were things that just fell away and there's this rush and it's kind of like, woo, all right, this is great. Things are, you know, I, I, I am totally changed. And then I discovered a little while in that, oh, that's. That's still kind of hanging around, is it? <laughs> All right, yeah, we still kind of need to deal with that, do we? And so there were things that uh, over over uh, process, over sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years, got dealt with in my life. And there's stuff that I'm still dealing with because it's a process that the Holy Spirit leads us through. And the only there are no shortcuts. The only way to get there is to is to get there. It's not a matter of head knowledge. Most of you are aware that uh, a little over three years ago, my first wife passed away. A lot of you knew her. I had a friend, a pastor friend up in Hendersonville who said to me, wow, you know, that was hard, but I, I, I guess being a pastor all these years and, and walking through this with a lot of people, that, uh, that kind of prepared you for it, uh, didn't it? No. No. Not at all. It, it might have made me think I was prepared for it. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd sit with the guys and, who had lost their spouse and hear them go, when does the crying stop? And, you know, what about this? Is this, is, this is tearing my heart out and things like that. And, you know, I'd, I'd seen other people go through it, but you have to go through it. You don't know what it is until, until you go through it. And, there's, and it's the same way in walking in discipleship with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit leads us in that. To walk in freedom, we need the, the Holy Spirit and we need to know that he's active in our lives. Be, and the way that we know that is the fruit of the Spirit. If it's there, then he is. And we can trust it. Love isn't the only fruit of the Spirit. There's, there are nine of them. Uh, and by the way, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with these modern translations. Uh, but meekness. <laughs> and I'm not just saying, yeah, good old King James. I'm not just saying that because of my name. The, the, the truth is when it says gentleness or some other word like that, it's because we don't know what meekness is. And I'm not going to tell you what it is today, but I just wanted to get that off my chest and not go on and preach. Uh, 
love isn't the only fruit of the Spirit, but it's the first among, it's the first among essentials. Love is a many-splendored thing. <laughs> love is like oxygen. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. I, I can't teach on love I mean, without saying that line, and so I, I got that off my chest, too. Uh, the Greeks uh, had a much more nuanced understanding of love than we do, uh, and that's because they didn't have the word love. They had four words, and we just kind of rolled them all into one, and there's a glob there. Uh, and the first of the words that they had was storge, and it's not storage. I didn't leave out the A between the uh, uh, R and the G. It's, it's storge. Uh, and if you were to take a, uh, 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 an English word and apply it uh, in that place, you probably uh, use the word empathy. Uh, that is a kind of love. Uh, you know, when uh, um, a parent for a child, in particular, especially a mother for a child, um, and we've had a, a new baby come into our tribe of 20 grandchildren <laughs> lately. And uh, whenever you... Uh, Whenever that baby is present, all the women in the room are like, "Is it my turn to hold it?" <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, but in, in particular, I mean, you know, that that child hasn't done anything, but there's just this bond. There's this empathetic bond that is there. And it doesn't have to be for family. It, sometimes empathy can, you know, can be for somebody you see beside the road or somebody that is going going through something. Now, empathy is, is a real love. Uh, it also has some issues because it can go to seed. It, it can definitely go to seed. Uh, you know, it's okay for mom to want to hold on to that little baby, but when he's 26, yeah. it's time to let go of some things. And, it, and it's great to feel empathy for people who are in need, but sometimes people feel that so strongly that, that they become bound up by it and aren't really able to listen to what... The, uh, there was a, a couple that I knew back in the Lord's Chapel who took a trip, a first missions trip they took, and they took it to... Uh, um, um, Jamaica. And I remember them coming back and her saying that, you know, there's so many needs that you see that it's just overwhelming. And you want to do all of them. But what you have to do is go, which ones? What do you want me to do? Yeah. So anyway, uh, the second uh, word that they had was philia. And if we did a, a, a modern word to go by that, it would be, be friendship. And that's a real love. You know, I, I hope that all of you have friends, that all of us have friends. I know I have friends that I've had for many years that I love deeply. I love dearly. Uh, I would do virtually anything for it. And, and, it's, and it's not because I want anything from them. They're just, I care about them. They're... Uh, 
that Ophelia, um, that's where the Philadelphia gets its name from, the city of brotherly love. That too can go to seed because Philadelphia uh, gets its name from that and they throw snowballs at Santa. Uh, so, I mean, it, it won't, it's not. The third one is the one that we know about. Uh, that's, that's, if you, Eros, which in case you don't know, I'm just going to, romantic love. If you go on Google and you type in love and you hit images, you will see page after page after page of little hearts and cupids and people hugging and people kissing and, and other things that maybe you shouldn't. That's not a good idea to do this. But this is, uh, this is what we think of as love in this country. You know, it's kind of ironic. I hope I've, yeah, I'm going to have to watch my time because I think I've got more to say than I ought to say. And this is maybe one of the things I shouldn't say. Uh, back, uh, <clears throat> back in the 50s, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. And I, I read it, I don't know, 40 years ago or so. And it uh, and where he really delves into the meaning of each of these words um, in, in Greek, because Greek is the language of the New Testament. And uh, that, <clears throat> that book came out of a, a series of radio addresses that he gave. And the series of radio addresses that he gave was highly criticized in this country because he, when he got to Eros, he talked very frankly about that three-letter word there, sex. What is wrong with us? We need to talk about it. It's not like that's unimportant in our lives. It's not, it's not like that's not a, a really important thing. We need to talk about that. I, uh, um, and especially if you're a parent and you got children, now, you know, there are times when it's inappropriate, okay. But parents and children, come on now. You know, and, and, and when I say talk about it, I don't just mean don't do that. You know, I, know, I don't know about you. Well, there's probably one or two of you <laughs> that I know more about than others. But I, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but there's probably one or two of you who, who are kind of like me. And when I hear don't do that, that almost immediately goes to the top of my to-do list. <laughs> Just saying. Well, you know what Eros is. And then you probably know the fourth one because you probably heard it somewhere and you can read it between these guitars and stuff. Agape. And you go, oh yeah, that's the love of God. Well, what one word might we put with that that describes what it is? I mean, the love of God is what? Four words? Let's, let's, let's narrow it down to one. How about unconditional? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's also overwhelming, never-ending, reckless an unconditional love of God. It's not a matter of what you do this week. It's not a matter of let me see your resume. 
It's really not even a matter. Now, we have to come to faith to come to salvation, but it's really not even a matter of what's your religion. It's unconditional. God, it, it didn't say God so loved the church or God so loved the Jews. God so loved the world. And agape is what we're talking about here. When we say the fruit of the Spirit is agape. Of course it's unconditional. Romans tells us that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's the kind of love this is. And so if you're, if you're unable to love somebody, if you're un, you, you don't have to like people. You don't have to like people. Okay, let's, let's, just, let's just get those two things separate. You know, you can like somebody and not love them. Oh, I, I, I like them. Well, uh, you, you know, they're, they're really in need. Well, I don't like them that much. <laughs> you know, you can like somebody and not love them. And you can love somebody and not like them. But... Inasmuch as you're unable to love someone because of their race, their political opinions, their culture, their religion, what they may have said, what they may have done, to that extent, you don't know God. You don't know God. And that's not just me talking. 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love, anyone who does not agape does not know God because God is agape. God is love. And furthermore, you're bound. You're not, you're not set free. We know that unforgiveness causes bondage. I mean, we know that. You know, when you're... And, and, I hesitate to even go over this again, but, you know, we, we all understand that, you know, I, I, if I'm mad at Alan and, and I just, I'm just, <laughs> I can't forgive him for what he did. I mean, that prayer, that was just too long. <clears throat> and I just can't forgive, you know, or I can't forgive because, uh, you know, something that Lisa said about me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> then uh, we know that that binds us up. It doesn't do anything to Alan or to Lisa for me to, be, for me to be upset with them, but it's got me tied up in knots. It's got me in bondage and unable to do things that otherwise that I would do. So we know that unforgiveness causes that, us to be enslaved, but even more, unwillingness to love causes us to be in bondage. If I, if, I, if, I'm, if I don't love Alan, if I don't love Lisa, I may not be upset with them, but I don't love them. And, you know, I'm not going to be around them or anything. And, you know, the Holy Ghost may want to put me right beside them. But I can't go there because I don't love them. Okay, this is, this is a, a bunny trail that I thought if I have enough time, and you know what, if it, if it were back in, in my day when I was doing, you know, an hour and 15 minute services, I wouldn't have enough time. But this is Kevin's fault because 
because we're doing, we're doing an hour and a half services now, baby. And uh, the most unhappy people that I know as a general rule, unloving, unhappy, are the people who watch the news the most. There's, a, there's a, an inverse correlation between happiness, news. It's like that. And if the Christian, if, if, if Christians, well, anybody, but if Christians would spend as much time or more time in the Word than they do with the news, I, uh, we wouldn't have to worry about culture wars. People would want to come to Christ. They would want to be, they would want to come to Christ. Uh, now, here's, here's what I want to say. I challenge you. Over the next 30 days, to spend as much or more time in the Word, and I'm not talking about, you know, the latest bestseller, being skinny for Jesus, or how to get... I'm talking about the Word, the Word of God, okay? Over the next 30 days, to spend as much or more time in the Word of God as you do with the news... And see if at the end of that 30 days, you aren't much freer. Just, I, 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 and I'm, I'm saying this because I love you. Uh, I want you, want you to experience this, this freedom. I, I swore off the news a long time ago. Well, you know, how will I know what's going on? Oh, the news doesn't tell you what's going on. <laughs> the Bible tells you what's going on. That, that's, that's where you find out what's going on. Yeah, Okay. Well, enough of that. The power of love. Yeah. It is a mighty thing. Make, make one man cry, make another man sing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, the power of love to set free. First of all, before we get, I, I, want, I just want to say love is more important than knowledge. Do you know that? It really is. And uh, I have another cultural reference here. Love is more important than knowledge. I love that moment in Forrest Gump where he's saying, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And we're all sitting there going, he does. He does. Listen to him. He's dumb, but he, he knows what love is. He knows what love is. This is the one you want. Romans 13, uh, 8 through 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, a lot of people use this passage, especially verse 8, and go, uh, you're not supposed to go into, in, into debt. Well, it says no, let, don't let it be outstanding. Don't go into so much debt that you can't pay it. But, uh, but really, the, the point here is accept the continuing debt to love one another. That's a debt that is never paid off. That, that is something that continually is refreshed in our lives. Uh, knowing the law is good, 
but you can keep all the rules. And if you do it without love, you've missed the whole point. I believe it's in uh, 1 Corinthians that Paul says that uh, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Knowledge makes us think we're something. Love makes us something. Whenever Jesus came, when God walked this earth, the ones who had the least recognition of him as God were the ones who were puffed up, who knew but didn't have the love. Okay, the power of love, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm, I'm, I'm going to race now. Uh, 13, 13, you know this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is greater than hope. That's what the Bible says. Love is greater than hope. And so it's certainly greater than despair. When we're in despair, we're not free. Any, any, anybody here ever experienced despair in their lives? Some of you may be experiencing it right now. And we're just simply not free. We, 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 can't, we can't love others when we're in despair. I, I, yeah, okay. Uh, Bob got a big raise at work. That's great, but I'm never going to get a raise at work. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just barely struggling to get by. Good for you, Bob. Yeah. No. Uh, Carol's kid got a, uh, accepted to a, a great school. Well, <laughs> that's wonderful. My kids aren't even going to go to school. I mean, it's a third grade, and I already see it. They're just... <laughs> And we're not able to be, we're not able to love Bob because he's got something I'm not going to ever get. Or love Carol because her kid, her family got something I'm not ever going to get. I just, but where there's hope, you know, wow, I'm so happy for Bob. Maybe that'll happen to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm so happy for Carol. Maybe. Maybe my kid will turn around in the fourth grade, you know, and, 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 and get it going. Get it going on when we're in despair. But, but if we trust in the love of God then that God has for us, then we can never be in despair. We can never be in despair if we, if we truly trust God's love because, first of all, we love because he first loved us. So that's where we got to start. We got to trust his love, and then we're able to love others. We don't love because, uh, you know, somebody looks good, or we don't love because somebody said something nice about us, or because somebody gave us something because, you know what? One of these days, they may not look good. And one of these days, they may, they may say something not nice about us. Or one, of the, one of these days, I may want that thing back. You know, that, you thought that was a gift. I was just loaning that to you. Where is my tractor? You know, <laughs> whatever it is that you decided to love them for. But if we love them because God loves us, that never changes. I, 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 I can love David because God loves Ronnie. 
And no matter what David does, God still loves Ronnie. And I can love him. And I have hope because if God is for us, who can be against us? And how can I despair if I know that? And not only is love greater than hope, love is greater than, than faith. So it's certainly greater than fear. You know, I, I was, as I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking I should probably tell the worship team a song or two to do. I didn't know any. I just went blank. Well, there just aren't any songs for this sermon. And then I walk in this morning, and the first thing that I hear is, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in God's love. Oh, well, maybe there is a song. And if love is greater than, than, than fear, you know, fear is a great slave master. Fear is why we hate. Fear is why we go to war. Fear is why we stock an armament for ourselves. Fear is why we grasp and be sure we've got enough because, you know, God may not look after the lilies of the field tomorrow. So I don't know if he's going to care about me or not. Fear is why we become swollen with pride. Well, we don't need more faith. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and, and, and to do a work of love in us and, and, and for us. And as that happens, faith will come. Because if I trust God's love, then I have a faith that isn't something that I've built up from, ooh, ooh, I believe, I believe, I'm going to get that thing with my faith. No, it is a true response to the love of God in my life. All that it is. First John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love. Perfect love. Cast out fear. That's what dispels fear. Makes it go away. Worship team, you guys can come out. I know you're hiding back there. Power of love. Love is what held Jesus to the cross. It wasn't Roman nails. It wasn't Jewish resentment and hatred. It wasn't even directly speaking my sin. It was love. He said to his disciples the night before he went to the cross, the prince of this world is coming. He doesn't have any power over me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what he has commanded me to do. Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass away from me. But not what I want, what you want, because I love you. And God said, I want you to go to the cross because I love the world so much and I'm willing to sacrifice my son that's why I'm not at all bothered by that line reckless love of God that's reckless now he went he sent his son to the cross with no guarantee that you or me or any of us was going to respond and go oh yeah in fact what he saw mostly was just brokenness and hurt and hardness. 
Yeah. So Jesus goes to the cross so that we can be reconciled with God, so that we can have peace with God, and so that the Holy Spirit could come and indwell each one of us and produce in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. You know who that is a description of? Jesus, the one hanging on the cross. He did it so we could be free. Would you stand with me this morning? And those who are going to pray with people, uh, come, come forward. If, if you came to church today carrying something that you need to lay down, if you have some kind of business that you need to do with God, and especially if maybe something that was said or sung today resonated in your spirit and the Holy Spirit stirring something, you come. These brothers and sisters would, are here to pray with you. And if we fill this gang up, there's some more I know who are waiting to who will come. Uh, go ahead and worship, guys.